Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good afternoon. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and I gotta stay in the game. And I'm doing my best, folks. No excuses. Nobody likes excuses. What the heck? I've been. Um, I'm missing a week or two here, but uh, we're back in the flow, and I'm going to try to keep it going. Uh, the The truth of the matter is uh, most coaches are extremely busy right now, and I'm trying to get – I've got a great coach on next week, uh, a Division three coach, and he is a man of honor that has coached at the highest level at a Power 5 Top 10 team. But now he's at a D3 uh, school, and he calls it the most pure coachings he's that he's ever did. But anyhow, this American Tennis, Coach Chuck Creasy, we are in our 11th year of American Tennis. And uh, we keep it pretty simple, to tell you the truth. Uh, we basically, you know, we always start out by saying that uh, stand up, speak out, say those things you need to say, uh, stay professional, address issues, not people. And here, the United States of America, the greatest country on earth, daggone it, folks. Stand up, speak out. No one can find fault, and we need you to stand up and, and speak out. And uh, I, for years, I always would quote Edmund Burke, um, because today we're going to talk about load, loaded language. And uh, I'm going to start doing this uh, periodically. Uh, we had a series uh, about the six or seven sleeping giants in tennis in America. And uh, you can go back and find all those programs at uh, chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, Chuck, K-R-I-E-S-E.net. But we we had, you know, we talked a long time about the sleeping giants, and we sure want to make tennis better in the USA. And uh, I'm getting sidetracked here a little bit, but basically all of our job is to try to keep this sport fantastic and uh, to keep it pure and protect the history and the heritage of the game. And everybody should be doing that. 
But today I want to talk about loaded language a little bit. But Edmund Burke, Edmund Burke, his great words were, all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. And um, that's what happens. I've been trying to figure out uh, as I've battled some of these issues. And, of course, top for the last 15 years has been uh, the, the fight to preserve our traditional scoring system in tennis and um, and I've said on this program and to many that if we continue to dilute, pollute, and prostitute our greatest sport in the world, we won't have much left. Uh, as the marketeers out there are trying to promote it for different reasons, we educators and all the educators out there, the parents as well, you don't. You, are you after an education for your youngster? Or are you after? Um, uh, popularity and fame you know you need to ask yourself that question and the marketeers are out doing their best um, I had a mother one time said you know my daughter plays classical music on the piano and never once have I dreamt or even thought hey I would like for her to be uh, famous or at Carnegie Hall or something uh, she said, we just want her to understand classical music. And the same is true for people who are in art and really respect art and some of the finer things in life. Uh, tennis is one of these sports that we want to protect and preserve. It's, it is, we've, we've gone so far in the wrong direction um, with the hyping of it and point system for kids and putting our kids in this USTA merry-go-round. I call it a merry-go-round because of how they make you jump through the same hoops over and over and over and over again at the 12s, the 14s, the 16s, the 18s. And as I go to tournaments, I told my friend last week, we keep seeing the same kids, same story, same drama up and down, and uh, same lack of passion, by the way. But just happens to be a different city, and I, I, I just think that we're, we're doing a very, very poor job uh, with the top-down management here in the United States. Uh, USTA, if you're listening, I don't mind calling you out on this. You're an organization. I'm not calling out individuals, but if you're listening, you guys need to dump the top-down management. You need bottom-up. You need bot instead of top-down um Top-down systems, we need bottom-up incentives, and we need to allow our grassroots to keep doing this again. So, But um, we, with with that, I'm going to uh, – I have a very, very good friend that is a coach <clears throat> up in the Pennsylvania area, and he sent me this, this list, and I'm just blown away. I'm so proud, so thankful and uh, he's listened to the program more than once, I think, and I'm trying to call him today, actually. And I'll get him on the program sometime. And I, But, um, you know, he sent me all these sayings that, that he put down, and I'm counting about 150 different, different little quips or sayings, or I call them loaded languages, that uh, he heard, he's heard on my program in the last 10 years. And I was just blown away by it, and I, I'm going to uh, do something with this because I think here's here's the biggest point of the short program we have today, folks. 
in today's society of so many forms of education, so sorry, so many forms of communication, we still have way, way far too few relationships. Think about all of the connections we have with phones and emails and all of our Snapchats or what do we do, but we have far, far too few relationships, relationships that, that really matter. And if you're like me and like most of um, a lot of my friends, that last three years with the COVID stuff and all of the crud that we've been through, it sort of uh, took an edge, sapped us, didn't it? And you can say what you want, that Zoom thing, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not good enough. You need to meet with people, don't we? And we need to we need to share emotion with people. We we're not robots yet. They're trying to make us into robots, but we're not robots yet. And uh, but he he sent these um, loaded languages back to me, and I'm I'm going to honor him and and talk about this a lot because uh, it must mean something to him if he's he sent these back to me. But um, the two I use all the time is Edmund Burke. Edmund Burks, all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men, good people to do nothing. And uh, bad people can wreck wreck things much faster than good people can build things. That's the shame of it. And good people will work forward an inch at a time, an inch at a time. Well, you can wreck wreck things very quickly. And uh, even back 50 years ago when I was in college, we had to memorize this poem, The Builder and the Wrecker. And uh, look it up. Look it up. On uh, That is a good thing about the daggone computer. You can look it up. Builder or wrecker. But but the negative people who are ter- would tear down our scoring system, would tear down the purity, the, the greatness of our sport, and try to hype it for marketing effect. It isn't for an educational effect at all. What a bunch of bunk. I'll call those guys out. What a bunch of... What a red herring to say that it's so the kids get to play more and they don't get too tired. What a joke. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. I'd like to talk about this one a little bit as I move on from uh, my soapbox about how we're goofing up the game with the scoring system and everything. But... You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with win or loss. <clears throat> I talk to my team all the time, folks, about it's not what happens to you, it's what happens inside of you. <clears throat> it's what happens inside of the person. Adversity introduces a person to themselves. Um, last week, there was a tremendous comeback in football. I happen to be rooting a little bit for the Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were down 27 to nothing, and the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, had thrown four interceptions. And then he came back and led the team to victory. And now how do you do that? How do you do that with the swings of negativity you must have gotten? Come on, 75,000 people mad and booing and ready to leave, and against 75,000 people he holds up, well, there's one little comment he made in one of his interviews that said uh, that that coach, uh, the coach, uh, let's see, Peterson, Doug Peterson, apparently had them uh, listen 
to or watch a movie by this guy. Dang it. Dang it, dang it, dang it. Um, I can't remember. He's a Navy SEAL, and you probably know it's uh, it's uh, Rocco or something like that. It's got it's got a name like that. I didn't I had not heard of the guy, but he's a Navy SEAL, and uh, he he made the simple comment that one of his receivers, somebody on the team, after he was goofing up, went up and said, "This is good. Remember, it's good." One of the things I have my guys always say is, this is good because, when they screw up, I'm, I want them to say, this is good because, and then answer that question. Answer it. What comes out of this good? To flip your mindset, to flip your mindset from catastrophe to opportunity. That is the whole trick to everything. You have to flip the adversity to opportunity. Opportunity adversity introduces people to themselves because but I'll tell you one thing, almost every one of us want to run and stick our head in a, in a hole when bad things are happening to us. Or we feel this is the worst what we're doing. There is an epidemic of victimology that is going on in our country. Everyone's a victim. And this is very dangerous for us to be victims. We need Coaches for years, we've known that we need to make it hard on our players and practice to achieve things so that they handle the adversity of competition. And we do such a such great harm for our kids when we give these participation trophies or give grades. My golly, they're not even, you know, I think the passing grade in some states now is 50. 50 it's ridiculous. And this does not help young people. This does not help anyone. It, it, it makes people lazier. It gives them an attitude of no longer sticks and stones can break my bones, but words should never hurt me. Now we're, we're victims all the time. We don't even want people thinking the wrong things. We got, were we going to have the thought police or the think police out there someday that just tell you you can't think bad thoughts? Well, you know, human nature is going to be all over the place, and guess what? There is a, uh, <laughs> you know, the process of winning or losing every day of your life has very little to do with the win or loss. It's very much to do with it's not what happens to you, it's what happens inside of you. All right, I want, I've given, you know, think, think of this. If you like movies out there, old movies, tune up Bells of St. Mary's with, uh, with Bing Crosby, Ingrid Bergman, and it was an old movie that probably all of us have seen around the Christmas time. But it's hilarious in there. There is a young kid that comes in one day, and Billy or whatever, and he says, Sister, she's a mother superior, and Bing Crosby's the, the priest. And she goes, Sister, that turn in my cheek you know, didn't work so good with Bobby or somebody out there. He just hit me harder. And she said, well, you did the right thing. And uh, old Bing Crosby's out there congratulating old Bobby for having a good right left jab or something like that, knowing that boys have to learn how to stick up for themselves. And so and, and so here's the nun. She goes out next scene, shows her in a sporting goods store, and she's buying a boxing book, and she teaches the kid that got, that got beat up how to fight. And then the next scene shows them out there, and, 
the kid's all ready for the, the, the bully to pick on him this time, and he doesn't. He gets up, he sort of winks at the sister, and then he puts on a boxing show and then wins that little fight. And then he said, hey, gee whiz, Bobby, you know, uh, you know, I, let's be friends. And Bobby says, hey, okay, hey, if you come with me, get an ice cream. Let's go be an ice cream. And then we let kids work it out. But we this victimology thing, folks, is, is it, and listen, in tennis is American tennis, and uh, it never works. It never, ever, ever works. That's why tennis is so great that, you know, if you if you become an excuse maker, your game goes down to down the tubes, and if you don't make excuses, you have to say this is good because okay, I've got to learn how to hit a better backhand. This is good because okay, I've got to learn how to do this. Okay, this is good because I lost my temper there and I really acted poorly. I got to learn how to do better. But it teaches you all the time. The lessons are there, but we have changed it to where now we're into marketing and trying to hype people through and it's just um disgusting about four or five years ago i had uh, the privilege of interviewing the late dennis ralston who was one of my heroes as a child growing up i can remember seeing his picture on sports illustrated when i was 14 or 15 years old and he won he was in 13 grand slam finals i think he won eight grand slams but it was before all the prize money and then he went into pro tennis as one of the first, they called him the Handsome Eight. They they barnstormed around the country. If you want to love tennis a lot, pick up the book Rod Laver and Autobiography, and uh, by uh, it's by um, uh, Triumph Books by Triumph Books. But um, you know, pick that up and and take a look at it. It's fantastic. Um, but the the point is it. It's more important what happens to you than what happens, or excuse me, what happens inside of you than what happens to you, and and that's the thing that we all have to that that we have to remember. Um, the thing about Dennis Ralston, um, he talks about his childhood and uh, growing up and all of the things that he went through just to play tennis, and of course. It, it's a fantastic story, and then as little by little, he as he got got better and better at what he was doing, then he he got more opportunities. He got more opportunities. But let me go through a few of few of these things so that we can uh, we can move move on with the program here because I'm getting stuck on some of them. But with all of the stuff that is going on. Uh, how much information that we get, and how how we don't, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose for every each and every one of us. Where is the good information coming from, and where do we? My thing just shut down here on me, folks. I'm so sorry. We're back, though. It's more important what happens in you than what happens to you that that's the point and so i i talk to my players about good goods good bads bad goods and bad bads that's the easy solution a good good is you do the right thing and you get the reward a good bad is you do the right thing but you don't get the reward you get the learning a bad good is 
would be something like you get something easy. A participation trophy is definitely a bad good. A bad bad is you do the wrong thing, of course, and it doesn't work out. But but bottom line on the thing is bad goods never add up to too much for you. Now, we we talk always here. I've got one, name it, claim it, and then tame it, but never name it, rearrange it, and blame it. As this victimology stuff is going on, we have lots of this, and I had to uh, talk to two of my players this last week where a situation came up, and the first thing they want to say is, this isn't fair, this isn't fair. And as a coach, you usually they you don't care as a coach who's playing, or you don't care as a coach. Um, you know, you all you're trying to do is move the team down the road to get them better and to help them learn the important lessons. But with with that, uh, players were complaining, this isn't fair, this isn't fair, and I'm talking about adversity and trying to teach them this thing. But the point is, is that we have so many obstacles right now with uh it's like drinking water out of a fire hose it's it's very much it's it's the information age everybody's a hero on fake book i tell uh i speak often to the my team by saying look there's doctors over here uh at a close medical center that have saved 100 lives this last year and they never put it up on facebook fake book i call it fake book but they never put it up and uh, everybody is chasing the popularity part of it. I, I I want players to grow up chasing those things that really mean much more to them. But part of that, when things go bad, you name it, you claim it, and then you tame it. You name it, you have to say what it is, then you claim it. Okay, I lost a match. My backhand was bad. Now my backhand has been bad. And then you tame it by going to work. Now, you don't, you don't ever take that same backhand for losing the match if that was the reason and and when you lose the match you say well this guy did this to me and this happened and the wind was blowing a lot and it, it absolutely paralyzes people from moving moving forward so that's that's absolutely the truth but our problem with with the kids uh so much is that uh, we know the right things to tell them. There's plenty of uh, re, uh, background information, especially from people before the computer age that, <laughs> that couldn't call up so many reasons why. But when we talk to them, they need to understand, we need to understand that nothing happens unless there becomes a bridge between what we're trying to teach them and also what actually goes into not just their ears and their head and their brain, but their behavior and what they're trying to accomplish. They have to have a change of behavior. Um, A change of behavior takes time. You really have have to concentrate on it. And guess what? That you can, changing habits takes a long, long time. So you have to constantly be reminding people. But I, well, this is the best analogy I can come come up with about understanding that it takes a bridge of a bridge to cover the distance between what you understand and your student or your child understands. There has to be a bridge of some kind for the information. 
Um, and it it only takes root when the youngster's mind is ready to receive it. And if you've ever talked to hard-headed people who, let's say, uh, political party, talk to somebody in the opposite political party, some people are so ingrained that they will never change their ideas on certain things. And it becomes something that uh, is, is almost impossible. But with young people, it... Uh, I, I often use the example of Mozart playing his finest, finest um, violin concerto. Mozart, the most brilliant, brilliant composer ever, one of them. But um, then you have the violin. It could be a Stradivarius. A Stradivarius re- represents the talent level of an individual. It, it, you know, a Stradivarius what is 1.5 million dollars or something like that for just a just a violin, and he could be playing the very very best uh, violin concerto violin uh, uh, solo, and playing his heart out and trying to put it into this beautiful Stradivarius, but nothing happens. Nothing happens without without that little simple piece of what balsa wood or whatever called the bridge that reverberates the strings into the box of that violin. It's just a simple, simple apparatus there that that is the connector. With our kids, you see where I'm, where I'm going here, our kids could be extremely talented. They could be the, the best talent you've ever seen. Uh, but But the point is, is that Talent only becomes skill if you put talent plus hundreds or thousand hours of work in to turn that talent into skill. It takes a tremendous amount of work on a talented person's uh, side to turn talent into skill. And that's the mistake we make. We see people and we, we say, oh, they're very, very talented. But again, you could have the talent of of uh, Mozart playing a violin, and the, the Stradivarius represent that great talent. But it doesn't happen until there's a bridge there, and that bridge has to connect when we teach. And it it a lot of times, boy, you'll almost get the bridge built and then it falls, and then you almost get the bridge built and then the kids will go in a different direction. Then you almost get the bridge built and then. Sooner or later, there is a catalyst where kids say, oh, that's what it is. And it's uh, there's a book we know called The Talent Code. I've mentioned it before. Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. It's Daniel or Coyle, I think. I don't think it's Daniel. I forget his first name. C-O-Y-L-E, The Talent Code. But he, he has a whole section in there on the holy sh you know sh uh moment i'll just call it the holy crap moment where you as a teacher you go holy crap what just happened and the kids get it and they get it and and that's the way learning takes place what i'm terrified of though is that if we make learning too easy easy to pick up becomes easy to put down hard to pick up is hard to put down but when we make things easy very much will be like eagles who could be potential eagles who become pigeons because things were not hard enough. 
remember, folks, it's easy to turn an eagle into a pigeon, but you'll never turn a pigeon into an eagle. And we remember this when we challenge our youngsters. So um, we have a short program today, and uh, I, want, I, would, I would love it if you, um, you ever have ideas to shoot me an email. Um, it's uh, <clears throat> chuckcreasy at gmail is good enough. And uh, But this is the most wonderful sport in the world. It's 150 years old. Uh, again, I'm reaching out to you Say, protect the history and the heritage of our game. Do not let our marketeers, do not let them change it, abbreviate it with no ad scoring in shortened formats in the name, the red herring that they call for the children's benefit. It's not. That's a recreation model. But a performance model should stay as it always has stayed. And uh, we'll start keep talking about quick fixes as we go forward. And uh, we'll continue to address things that um, against tweenerism that, that will keep our youngsters from being tweeners. Um, the wimpies, the whiners, the wieners, and the winners is the last thought I'm going to leave you with today. Um, uh, there was a young lady that gave a talk uh, many years ago. Uh, she was a track athlete at Clemson. And I was sitting in the audience that night uh, at a sort of a, a awards, uh, academic awards dinner. And she told a simple story. She said that her coach, they got back on a Sunday evening, and her coach said, easy workout tomorrow. We'll just do some starts, and we'll be okay. But that by the next day, something had happened. Somebody had missed some classes. Somebody goofed up. And she said the coach was there and said, no, sorry, changed my mind. We're going to run 16-400s today. And she said that it was so such tough. Their mindset was for something easy. And instead, the coach had now changed his mind to something very, very hard. But she said there were four categories that every young lady on that team, that young lady on that team settled into. She said, first of all, you had the kids that said, Coach, but I'm injured and I've got to go to trainer. Coach, I've got this, I've got to go see a teacher. You know, and they basically bailed out. Then she said you had kids who would run but complain the whole time and say, this isn't fair. Then she said, I was in the third group. I was in the third group that sort of was a pretender. I said, oh, okay, coach, let's do this. Let's just get this over with. And in the fourth group, she said there were three young ladies that said, hey, this is our chance to train. Let's make this a great workout today. Now, with my children, I've told this, them to this many times. I call it the wimpy, whiner, wiener, and winner scenario. The wimpies are the ones that lay out. The minute it gets tough, they come up with a mysterious injury or the, the phantom injuries, or they come out with, oh, I can't do this because my favorite racket broke or whatever. Then the whiners are the people that do it but complain the whole time. She said I was in the, other, the group that... The tweeners are the wieners, wimpies, whiners, wieners, and winners. But the tweeners are the ones that you don't want to be in. We don't want our kids to be tweeners. Whenever we make things too easy for them, 
they will become tweeners. We need to challenge them. I'm not saying that you don't challenge them in a hundred different ways. You do, according to their capacity, according to their abilities, according to their their um, their things that they like to do or don't like to do. But their capacities, I guess, is the best word to say there, according to their capacities. But bottom line on the thing, I think the best thing I've ever heard, this guy, the guy's name was Jocko, by the way, in Philadelphia. He was a Navy SEAL. Look up his stuff. But Trevor Lawrence uh, referred to that last week. He said, you know, they reminded me, Jocko, just say, hey, this is good. Whenever bad things happen, you say it's good. Um, here we've been saying for many years, I've had my players say, this is good because, and then try to answer it. Some days it doesn't seem like there's anything good to it, but if if you do that, if you do that, you're well on your way to uh, really, uh, you honor the game, you honor yourself, you do your best and forget about the rest, and uh, things ultimately will start going in the right direction. So next week we're going to do more on loaded language, but I, we're going to have a, a guest on to talk about Division Three tennis and uh uh, we're, we're looking. We're looking forward to it. So, remember, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or loss. Coach Chuck.